0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup.
1: And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup
0: join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the assassin's creed universe from assassins to templars to the mysterious isu and more we will seek to uncover it all so join us and maybe even take a leap of faith
1: hello and welcome to the assassin's creed Lorecast. cast my name is shelby and you might also know me as she cup And I'm super excited to be here today. We are continuing our mini-series on Pieces of Eden, and I am joined here with my co-host.
0: Hi, I am Austin, or also known as Teacup, and I am your lore master for this podcast.
1: So, are you excited for today's topic? Is excited the right
0: word? I mean...
1: I feel like for this series, excitement is definitely not the right word. Maybe excitement to see them destroyed... I don't know.
0: Yeah. After doing research, you know, I was always playing the games. I was always kind of like, oh, yeah, the pieces of Eden, they're cool. Like, they give you cool powers and they're cool game mechanics and everything. After doing the research and learning, like, the intention behind them and everything that they do, I'm kind of disgusted by them.
1: You know, that's really funny because for this show and this has happened multiple times where you're like i'm doing the research and this is horrible and then for dragon age for our other podcasts it's very much like oh i'm doing the research and i hate this character and then i'm doing the research and it's like well maybe they're not as bad as i thought they were (laughs) so it's totally opposite
0: yeah so but The swords are very interesting. I think they're a unique piece of Eden in that they're still terrible and they're still designed to subjugate, but they seem to be a little bit different. And I'll get in that whenever you're ready to start. Oh, I say let's do it. All right. So with all of our pieces of Eden, we start with their powers and fun facts or whatever, but mainly powers. So Swords of Eden... Are said to be the most powerful pieces of Eden. So, what they do is they empower their user with increased charisma, which turns disloyal humans into obedient and loyal servants.
1: It turns disloyal humans into obedient ones. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I can think of a lot of ways that that could be misused.
0: They also make the user immune to Apples and Staves of even.
1: Oh, dude. Do Apples and Staves have any kind of comparable power? No. Swords are OP then. It's
0: interesting you say that because for me at least, and maybe there's some obscure reference that some of our more super fans will point to me about some comic because I'll be quite honest, I have not read firsthand a lot of the comics mainly just because comics is not a medium in which I enjoy learning media. So I tend to just read about them rather than just read them. But Ezio resists a staff of Eden when he confronts Rodrigo Borgia. But we don't know if that's because he has an apple of Eden or that's because he has Isu DNA, if that makes sense. Spoiler! Well, he's a descent, like all of Desmond's ancestors have Isu DNA.
1: Because Desmond
0: has Isu, yeah, I
1: know. But I
0: know. so that's why it's up for the. Back. It's not said like, oh, he has, he's able to resist this because he has the apple, or he's able to resist this because he has Isu DNA, which with Altair is a similar thing. He resists the apple of Eden for, you know, Al Mullen tries to use it on him and fails. Um, so whether or not that's what's happening there. I think makes a difference, but like the apple doesn't make Ezio immune to like the paralyzing ability of the staff. So, but the sword straight up makes you immune to all of those effects.
1: I stand by my statement that the sword is OP.
0: Um, The sword also admits an echolocation ability similar to eagle vision. So the sword can grant someone who doesn't have eagle vision the ability to have eagle vision.
1: Is that permanent or is that only as long as you have the sword in your possession?
0: Only as long as you're wielding the sword. So, which is an important thing to note, like eagle vision is the sixth sense that the Isu have. So all Isu have eagle vision.
1: Okay, so if this is an Isu artifact and something that was created by the Isu to then dominate humanity... Why would it need the power of giving eagle vision to someone when all of the people of the Isu already have it?
0: Two reasons. One, it could be an unintended side effect of its creation, that they didn't intend to do that, but through its creation and the powers imbued with it, it ended up granting that ability. The second thing, which I think is probably a both-and situation, there are several factions among the Isu. And not all of them agree with the subjugation of humanity. So it's possible that, so the swords are forged mainly by uh, Hephaestus. And it's possible maybe he had a more kinder look towards humanity and gave that ability so that humanity could take them and have a fighting chance against the Isu.
1: Well, that's very interesting.
0: It's also possible that it was something developed later during Adam and Eve's rebellion against the Isu, because they were part Isu themselves. So, all right. And then the last thing, it can emit an energy blast that is much, much stronger than the apples uh, or staff's energy blast, which is impressive. Um, I believe the Sword of Eden you can wield an AC Valhalla like on a critical hit, like basically makes a energy blast that knocks all the opponents around you away you don't get the powers of the sword of eden when you get to wield it in ac unity and you don't the one in odyssey its powers are different but it's yeah it does do energy blasts too but only when it's wielded by an npc not by Cassandra. but they are powerful so are you ready to get into some known instances
1: let's do it
0: now this is important. We know that there are multiple swords and there are multiple instances of swords being used. However, just kind of like the apples, there's such time gaps between their appearances and our written history that we don't know if they're the same weapon or they're multiple instances. Some of them we do know as the same weapon because either the Templars or Assassins actually kept record of this specific piece of Eden. So the first use of a sword of Eden outside past the first civilization and all of that timeline was the sword used by Perseus to kill Medusa.
1: So remind me, is Perseus in Greek mythology a demigod or a god or just a human?
0: He's a demigod. He's a son of Zeus. So he kills the Gorgon, which Medusa, with the sword of Eden. Which I guess helps him because from what we know of AC Odyssey, Medusa is some weird interaction that a human can have with an apple of Eden that turns them into a monster.
1: Interesting. Well, it sounds like we'll have to talk about that in another episode.
0: Yeah. Um, the next thing that we have, and we don't know if this is Perseus' sword or if this is a different weapon, but it's the sword of Democles. This sword is wielded by Demos, Alexios, with the cult of Cosmos, uh, the half-brother of Cassandra. And after Cassandra and Demos fight, the sword is taken from him, and it's wielded by Cassandra at weakened power. Fun fact about this one. So in Greek mythology, the, th- the sword of Damocles is an artifact that post-dates the time of Cassandra by about a century. So, so like, the Peloponnesian War predates the, the like, myth of this sword and person. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, so Ubisoft got it wrong, basically, is what yeah, you're saying. So
0: either this is a different Damocles that they're talking about, or Ubisoft didn't get their facts straight.
1: It's I would probably, tend to think it's the latter.
0: I think it's the latter though we might they might fix their mistake later on. Who knows? So that's like what I called pre uh 0 CE or they labeled it as antiquity but I don't like that classification.
1: Before I don't want to say before the modern era because that's not really true. Um it's- But like, that's, I feel like that era is before what we think of as our history. mm
0: -hmm. It's before, it's before like the Hellenization of the world. Because I would say that's probably where we consider like, at least from a Western European version of history, that's where we send, like, we tend to think our history starts with like Alexander the Great and the Hellenization of the world, yeah, yeah. Even though some religious groups will push it back much further.
1: Well, that's in the nature of of historical groups, and also just like different cultures have different um, ideologies. But I was specifically speaking for like the Western world. Yes.
0: So we're jumping several centuries to the Middle Ages.
1: My What'd favorite. My yeah. favorite.
0: Now, I don't agree with this classification, but you could tell me because they put the 5th century, so the 400s, in the
1: Middle Ages. I think the Middle Ages start around 7 and 800s.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, like, Rome is still around at that point. Like, the Roman In the 300s? Or the 400s? Like, it might be the more, like, Constantinople Rome that we think of, but I'm pretty sure the Roman Empire is still around.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it falls in the late 400s.
0: Either 400s or 500s. I'm I'm, I'm
1: fairly certain. I'm fairly certain it is the late 400s.
0: So yeah, so I don't really agree with this. is classified as the Middle Ages. So we'll call this, you know, pre-Middle Ages Roman Empire. Um, My seminary brain and grad school brain wants to classify it as the early church, but that's yeah no that's true way of looking at it
1: um so I guess it does depend on like is it post the fall of Rome what we're about to talk about
0: it's Attila the Hun
1: I don't know if that's before or after the fall of Rome it's the
0: fifth century CE which is the 400s
1: okay well I mean It doesn't matter. This is this is an irrelevant conversation.
0: But we're getting this is like splitting hairs on classification. But it doesn't matter. So a sword, a sword, don't know whose sword it is, comes into possession of Attila the Hun in the fifth century CE. He used it to conquer Eurasia, and the sword became known as the Sword of Attila or the Sword of Mars. So so that tells me like yeah, that's around the time of the Roman Empire if they're still referring it to like the Sword of Mars using those Roman gods. So by the 6th century CE King Arthur pulls a great sword style sword, which great sword is just a really big sword you wield with two hands uh, out of out of the stone and named it Excalibur. After his death it is put in a cave in Britain where in the Ninth century, Avor retrieves it.
1: That is definitely the Middle Ages.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, in the thirteenth century, uh, Genghis Khan wielded a sword to conquer Asia and build his empire, which we talked about that. We talked about. All of that in our Mongol Empire, in our Assassins versus Templars, how he wielded the sword, how Altair and his sons in the Mongolian Brotherhood killed him. And the sword is seemingly lost at that point. We don't really, we don't know if Altair takes it. He doesn't come back to Masyaf with it. So maybe it's with the Mongolian Brotherhood. Maybe it's with his son. Who knows?
1: We we use the word seemingly a lot, as in seemingly disappeared. And I feel like every time you use the phrase, it seemingly disappeared, it actually did not disappear. Yes.
0: And so we're
1: getting in kind
0: of more to the Renaissance era, even though I wouldn't say like the 1300s isn't quite ready for the Italian Renaissance. Um, but it's getting there because around 1400 is when... I would say the Renaissance really comes into full swings. Um, And so during the Renaissance, during the 14th century, Jacques de Molay, who we talked about in our History of Templars episode, he hides his sword in a temple in Paris where assassins, with the help of King Philip, attack it and attempt to retrieve it. However, de Molay's advisor uses the sword to knock back the assassins and he hides it in the temple. It is then that this sword is discovered by uh, Joan of Arc who uses it to aid the French during the Hundred Years' War, which we talked about in our Hundred Years' War episode. If you want to know more about kind of what happens there and what goes on, we can go back and listen to that episode. But Joan of Arc basically gets this sword of Eden and the war is like the french take the war at that point until she is burned at the stake seemingly
1: you know i love joan
0: yes i do know you love joan so do you have any like initial
1: thoughts so far about the swords of eden um it's 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 interesting to me that you know last week when you told me or maybe it was outside of the podcast. I don't remember where we talked about this, but you told me recently that the swords of Eden are like more for, or more used by like rulers and stuff. And so I guess I just thought it was gonna be more like, King Alfred and like very powerful rulers like Alexander the Great and Attila the Hun. um, But you know, he is included. And so I guess I was thinking just like some of the most powerful people in existence. So when you said like Joan of Arc and, and King Arthur, like those, those were not the people I was thinking about before this episode. So I think that's interesting.
0: So, it's the staves of Eden that are mainly only wielded by like rulers and political leaders. I see. The swords are much like kind of the opposite. People just stumble upon them and they're risen, they rise to greatness. Whereas like people who are already great find the staffs to secure their power more. Mm, hmm Like if you think about it, Genghis Khan, Joan of Arc, King Arthur, all of these people were nobodies before they found these swords, you know.
1: You mean Attila the Hun? You said Genghis Khan.
0: Both, really.
1: Oh, they both have one. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, no, that's fair. And I just think it's interesting because this one is the most powerful. You would think that the leaders would have the thing that's the most powerful.
0: And this goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier. It really seems like the Swords of Eden are meant to be used by humanity against the Isu. Mm. They give you eagle vision, their sense. They make you immune to apples and staves. Like, these are big powers. They give you increased charisma. So, and, you know, they say it turns disloyal slaves into loyal and obedient servants but what if it's used the other way in that it can break the states and apple hold, freeing slaves like we know that adam and eve go around leading a human humanity revolt against the isu maybe these swords are how they do it that would be really interesting with just the use of charisma and like most dictators are charismatic they don't rise to power be, You don't rise to power if you can't sway people to your cause. But like, also like charisma is also a characteristic that is used by people who intend good for the world. Like MLK, or, you know, we talked about George Washington could convince you to eat your sock. Like, these are charismatic people who convince people to fight for their betterment. And so- Right,
1: right. Like charisma and being charismatic is not a bad thing. I think that- that term has maybe become, using that kind of language has maybe been given negative connotations in our culture. And it's not always a bad thing. It's not always a good thing either. I think it's, it's a neutral characteristic. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah.
0: But definitely that kind of thing where I think that these are, might be crafted for humanity and not for the
1: An interesting hypothesis.
0: And it's also interesting because like, so the only real Isu we see ever go after a sword is coming up later in the French Revolution. And he doesn't really want to use it that much. He wants to just get it out of the hand. So maybe Isu, who are more prone to enslaving humanity, they want... The swords out of the way.
1: Right, right.
0: All right, I think we're ready for our break.
1: I think we are too. Makuse! Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Malaka!
0: Malaka! Malaka! Even now, faced as I am with the truth of your cold words, I refuse because I believe things can still change. I may never succeed. The assassins may struggle another thousand years in vain. But we will not stop.
1: All right. Well, welcome to the break. We have some exciting things to talk about. So, Austin, I guess my question is, what do we want to talk about first?
0: Um, Let's do the business and then we'll get into our big announcement at the end.
1: Which big announcement? We have two.
0: Just both of them. We can pick one.
1: Okay, well... Welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we talk about all the stuff that's not the lore of Assassin's Creed. So first, I am going to read a review. We have a new review this week. And this one is from Elmo the Assassin. And Elmo says, amazing podcast, five stars. Hey, I consider myself an Assassin's Creed expert. And I have to say that this podcast is officially my favorite one out there. I have been an AC fan since day one, and I love how you two break down everything about the lore and actually be correct about it. It's very refreshing to hear. Keep up the amazing work that you folks do. P.S. Y'all have built a great community on Discord as well. It has been great getting to know everyone on the Discord. Thank you so much, Elmo. We love this review, and we're so thankful that you wrote it and that you are in our Discord. Yeah, thank you so much. So speaking of reviews, if you want to review us and um, have your review read out on the show, you can leave us a review on Apple with words or on Spotify without words. So we are actually really trying to get some new Spotify ratings right now. Um, We're just a few like 15 away from reaching 100. So if you have not rated us yet on Spotify, we'd love it if you took the time out and head over there and give us a five star rating. And then also definitely come hang out with us on the Discord as Elmo the Assassin mentioned. Um, We've got a great group of people over there. We talk about all kinds of stuff, Star Wars, Assassin's Creed, Dragon Age all kinds of stuff, more than that. And we also share our fun, cute dog pictures and hilarious memes. So you can join us at the Cups Podcasting and More server. You can also hang out with us on the Robots Radio server, of which we are also a part. So both links are in the episode description. All right, Austin, we've got two big announcements to make. Which one do you want to talk about first? And which one do you want to talk about? And which one do you want me to talk about?
0: Why don't you talk about the one pertaining to this podcast right now?
1: Sounds great. So we have launched a Patreon. So yeah, yeah, super exciting. We've had a couple people ask um, and we have delivered, but... Please know it's, we don't expect everyone to be able to give to us financially. We totally understand that not everyone can and not everyone wants to, but if you do want to be part of our community and get some exclusive perks, feel free to hop on over to the Patreon. So I thought that we could just give like a little bit of an overview about all of the different tiers and then that'll be it. So... We've got five tiers in this Patreon ranging from a $5 per month tier all the way up to a $100 per month tier. So if you want to join at the lowest tier, you will be a Brotherhood initiate and you will get a thank you message from us during the show. You will have your name called out as a new patron, you'll get ad-free access to episodes and early access to episodes, you'll have the ability to vote on monthly patron chat topics, and you'll have access to the Tier 1 Patron section of the Cups Discord. Now, if you want to bump it up a tier and go to the Assassin tier, which is the $10 tier, You then become a full member of the Brotherhood and you get all of those previous rewards from Tier One. Plus, you'll get the opportunity to submit monthly um, Ask Me Anything submissions, which we'll read out and answer on the show. And you'll get access to the tier one and tier two sections of the patron chat in the Discord. Now, if you want to bump it up one more tier, this is where it gets good. You can become a master assassin, and that's the $20 tier. And so you'll get everything from the first two tiers plus the chance to join us on the show once per month. So, um, if you've listened to the Dragon Age lore cast, we do monthly patron chats where all of our patrons at this tier and higher get to come on the show and we chat about a topic. For example, uh, last week in Dragon Age, we released our patron chat and it was our patrons. We were talking about which faction in Dragon Age would you want to be a part of? So we'll do the same thing for this show, but with Assassin's Creed topics. And then if you want to bump it up another tier, this is the $50 tier per month. And this is a mentor assassin. And for this one, you are a renowned mentor in the Brotherhood. And you get all the the same benefits as the previous tiers. But you also get your name read aloud every single show. And you have the opportunity to submit monthly topic and side character suggestions to us that we will cover on the show. And then our last tier is the $100 per month tier, which we know is a little up there, but this is the Isu Demigod tier. So pretty special. Um, And so this one, you get all of the previous benefits, including your name read on every episode. And you also get the opportunity to come on the show with us one-on-one for a topic of your choosing as, as far as it relates to the Assassin's Creed universe. So you can come on here and we can talk about whatever you want, and that'll be our episode. So that is the Patreon. The link will be in the episode description. If you have questions about it, feel free to DM us, hop in the Discord server, anything like that. Um, Yeah, Austin, do you have anything else to add about the Patreon?
0: Uh, nothing just like that. Again, to echo uh, cut, Shelby's sentiment at the beginning, that like we don't expect everyone to contribute financially. We understand that's not a goal for everyone, but we appreciate any support anyone can give us for the podcast. We do this because we love it, and we love engaging in the community and talking about games that we find interesting, especially ones that deal with things we're interested in, like religion and history and all these things. So our next big announcement is real quick we are starting a new show Woohoo! yeah so we are not this is a different kind of podcast so we are going to be call, starting the inheritance cycle page by page a book club and discussion
1: yeah it is a book club and discussion based podcast but we'll also be reading through each of the chapters like one episode or one chapter per episode
0: Yeah, so this will be a kind of deep dive into the book. We'll be talking about things we noticed there. She Cup is reading it for the first time. So you'll get kind of first impressions of the chapter and of the book and everything like that. I read these books in middle school and high school and absolutely fell in love with them. If you don't know what the Inheritance Cycle is, it's the Aragon books with the dragons and all of that stuff. The Inheritance Cycle is its official name. And so that's going to be a lot of fun. And we will be launching that in the next week or two. And so that's really exciting. A couple weeks and we'll be ready. You'll be expecting the kind of cadence of that will actually be more than these podcasts They will be releasing two episodes a week because they are so much shorter. And so, yeah, it'll be great.
1: I think that's it. I think so. Let's get back to it.
0: And I know I was really nice to you, but actually I'm just another Templar plot twist. And yes, I would like very much for you to be controlled by a magic space wizard so that you can murder me. Requiescat in I am not a father anymore. I am not a husband.
1: I am not a magi. I am a hidden one.
0: Yes. We are the hidden ones. Alright, so... We don't actually have a lot more to talk about because after the kind of 1800s and like the turn of the century into the 1700s to the 1800s, the Swords of Eden just kind of go, we don't really hear from them again. Maybe some in the comics that I don't know about, but not really, other than like we saw one in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I guess is technically both taking place in the 800s and the 2020 but
1: that's interesting that they just kind of disappear because the apples do not do that
0: no the apples stay out which kind of makes sense like i would assume that if stergo doesn't want the swords around
1: well i guess it also makes sense if like if they were intended as something to free the humans well the humans are freed now
0: right so The next sword instance we get is in feudal Japan, so other sides. So this might be Genghis Khan's sword, this might be Attila the Hun's sword, this might be some other sword that we don't know. So the sword ends up in the hands of warlord Takenda Shingen, Uh, He used the sword to conquer Japan, making it to Kyoto, which is the capital at the time. So if you don't know, the capital of Japan has actually moved several times. It's mainly been in Kyoto or Tokyo. It's Tokyo now, but at this time it was Kyoto. Well, you know, the assassins don't like conquerors or tyrants having pieces of Eden. So they kill him. And the sword fells to Ada Nobagunda Noboganda. Nomaganga, that's what I'm going with. Uh, who used it to conquer Japan. And he is like a big conqueror of Japan during, that, during feudal Japan. And uh, assassins eventually... Kill him, and the sword gets transported to China.
1: Interesting.
0: So that's all we really know about that one. And then the next sword is the reappearance of um, Jacques de Molay's sword in Revolutionary France, which is the events of Assassin's Creed Unity, where the Templar Germain, who is also an Isu Sage, he takes over the Templars and tries to recover de Molay's sword, Arno Dorian attempts to thwart him and he does. They battle and they get all that. And Arno eventually gets the sword, but it's completely drained of all its power. And if you want more details about that, play the game.
1: Will you tell me like how is it drained of all its power?
0: It's apparently just expended. I think that part of it is that the way it would work mechanically with a sat with Unity's combat system would make it ridiculously overpowered and since there was kind of a multiplayer going on with that they didn't want it being used in that way is my guess I'd, i i don't have it fresh enough in my brain right now to remember exactly how it does that but oh i'm on a i'm on assassin's creed 3 and i'm playing the games in chronological order so unity is next after three.
1: Oh, okay cool all right. Um, that's all the swords we got. That's it. Yeah. Our mid break was more of a um end break.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's interesting. It's your theory though about like swords being a tool to free the humans is, is genuinely fascinating to me. Is there anything um in the lore that makes you think that or, or is this just like a headcanon for you? It's more
0: of a headcanon at this point but my evidence is based on the sword's ability we do see isu using swords of eden but is it kind of like like i said there's different factions going along all around the isu who have different goals and who want to do different things around humanity and all those things so it is possible it is possible that these swords were crafted in the disguise of like here's an ultimate weapon for you that you can use and isu unknowing that they were used to free humanity basically arm their soldiers with them and give some to humanity and they realize that oh my gosh the apple's not working anymore like now i'm free so it could be that i mean i find it with the amount of power that the Isu can exert with the pieces of Eden, and I know they didn't just have one with them. They probably had a lot. It seems unlikely that even being Isu hybrids, that Adam and Eve would be able to free themselves and start this revolution without a little bit of inside help.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: But yeah, that's, that's where my theory, like the evidence in the lore but at this point it's a headcanon so i don't have any proof of that
1: well that's not always that doesn't always mean that it's not legitimate mm-hmm. well i definitely appreciate the headcanon because that was interesting mm-hmm. yeah well do you have anything else i do not all right well thanks for listening to this episode of the assassin's creed Lorecast. we'll see you next time
0: Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light assassins. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember...
1: Swooping.